Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, December the 21st, 2021. It is currently 3.06 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church, located right here in Ovalo, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a lot to discuss. I know I say that all the time, but we definitely, we always have a lot to discuss. I guess it's it's a true statement. Sometimes it may feel a little redundant, but I'm always overwhelmed. I, I've received two emails in regards to Luke chapter two that I definitely would like to discuss and, and do that for our Bible study exercise. I've received other messages in regards to Luke chapter two that we need to talk about. There's a lot we need to do working on Luke chapter two today. So I want to get to that as soon as possible, but we have to turn our attention once again, to what is going on here, not only in the United States of America, but around the world. I know you're aware of it, but we are in the middle of a pandemic. In fact, I'm going to say this for emphasis purposes. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. I I know pandemic indicates it's global. Obviously, that's what a pandemic is. But global pandemic, I'm doing that for emphasis uh, reasons. Over 800,000 Americans have died. Over millions of people have died worldwide. It is a difficult situation. And right now we have spreading all across the world, the Omicron variant of COVID, right? It's the Omicron variant. That's now the dominant variant here in the United States of America. It it went from only 3% of cases to 73% of cases of Omicron. And basically a week, it is spreading quickly. It is easily transmissible. It is People are easily infected by it. We don't know all of the ramifications from it, but there's, there's a hospital systems already being overwhelmed. Uh, there's there's a National Guard has been activated in Massachusetts to try to offer assistance. Uh, the Biden administration has uh, activated other National Guard uh, to help out hospitals and and with and, and other medical uh, facilities to try to help with the the rise in cases. The concern is hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. We don't know how the death rates are going to be impacted, but there's lots of concern right now about COVID and Omicron. I know everyone may have just kind of forgotten about it, was done with it and ready to move on, but we're right now in the middle of another wave, another tsunami of 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 COVID, and there are grave concerns, and we've talked about this in a number of broadcasts. But while all of this is going on, in fact, during this entire pandemic, the one thing that has manifested itself over and over and over and over again, not only in the culture, but in the church, is a very selfish, self-centered, me-before-anyone-else mindset, which really indicates, in fact, I've stated this now before and I'll state it again, that in some ways COVID has served as a spotlight to really show us the spiritual state of the church. Where are we really at spiritually? It's one thing to say, oh, look, we've got a good doctrinal statement. It's one thing to say, but look, we preach verse by verse. It's one thing to, to say, look, look, look at how much Bible knowledge I have. All of those things are wonderful and great. We do need verse by verse Bible teaching. We need great doctrinal and theological statements. We definitely need biblical knowledge. But at some point, all of that should lead to a very, very biblical and godly way of living, which says love others, 
Love your enemy. Put others before you. Deny yourself. Die to yourself. Stop following yourself and follow Christ. It's a very different way of thinking. It's one of humility. It's not one of selfishness, but selflessness. It's one about thinking about other people. But during this, people have, even within the church, it's all about me, me, my rights, what I want. I don't care about anybody else. I'm not thinking about anybody else. And at some point, even the adults now are acting like children. My daughter has told me, who works for American Airlines, has told me story after story after story of just adults acting like absolute children, physically assaulting, you know, people who work for the airline because they simply say, no, you have to follow the rules. You're not exempt from the rules just because you don't like the rules. You, that's not the way it works. And Christians are like, I don't have to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. It's just, it's absolutely crazy to see what we're witnessing. Just to demonstrate, my daughter sent this to me. Um, see, when did she send this to me? All right, hang on. Um, give me one second. I got to close this. For some reason, my uh, messenger is opening up YouTube. All right, here we go. Uh, my daughter sent this to me. I don't know. Do I have a time? It was before 1137, so maybe around 10-something this morning. She sent this to me, and well, just to, to lighten the mood a little bit, this is what she was experiencing just at 10-something this morning on a flight as she works for American Airlines. This is what she's dealing with. Now, remember, the people she's dealing with, these are adults. She's not dealing with children. She's just dealing with, well, I don't know. She's dealing with Maybe it's children pretending to be adults. I don't know, but they, they look like adults. But just to let you hear, I don't know how well this you're going to be able to hear this, but just, just to try to change the mood a little bit. Here we go. This old grumpy man today on the plane was wearing a neck gaiter, which is very clearly written in the rules that that won't be allowed as a mask on American Airlines. In the rules that he was supposed to read when he agreed and bought the ticket and the rules that were announced in the airport by the gate agent, blah, 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 you know, the whole thing. And I go over and I'm like, hey, do you have a real mask, like an actual mask you can put on? He's like, why? And I'm like, because you actually have to wear a mask. You can't wear a gaiter. He's like, yes, I can. And I'm like, unfortunately, no, you can't. So he's like, well, this is all I have. And I said, okay, I'll go grab you a mask. And he goes, this is approved by TSA. And I'm like, um, well, it's not. It's, a, it's an American Airlines policy like you can't wear it on the plane. He's like, that's not a rule. That's just simply not a rule. I got through security with this. Like, he's not understanding that TSA and American Airlines are very different things. But anyway, I'm like, well, it is a rule, you know. And he's like, why don't you go look it up then and show it to me because it's not a rule. And so I said, okay, sure. And I walked to the back, pulled it up on my phone in five seconds, walked back. And I was like, here they are. Here's the rules. And he refused to look at my phone. He put his hand up and he goes, why don't you just let me enjoy my flight? And I'm like, you don't want to see the rules? He goes, no, I don't. You need to just let me enjoy my flight. And I was like, okay, well, you're going to follow the rules or you're not going to be on this flight. And he goes, I am. You need to lower your voice. Just like, sir, please do not ruin my Christmas cheer right now because I will beat you up in the Santa hat. <laughs> now, it's funny but it's just ridiculous that a grown that a grown man talking to my daughter. I'm not going to look at the rules. I'm not going to look at the rules. Just just let me enjoy my flight. Just let me do it my way. I'm gonna, I'm going to throw a fit. And, and and just it's absolutely ridiculous what has happened to grown-ups. 
Used to, you, you used to, grown-ups would look at kids, you're not going to throw a fit. You got to do what you're told to do. Stop throwing a fit. Stop. No, we're not, you're not going to throw a tantrum. We're not going to, no, we're not going to tolerate that. Now, it's like the kids looking at the adults going, uh, why are you throwing a fit and acting like two-year-olds? Could you grow up, maybe? That's where we are. And it's just reach absolutely ridiculous proportions. And so, I'm going to state this. As a Christian, as the church, what is our moral responsibility in the middle of a global pandemic? Do we not have a moral responsibility? Because as Christians, we believe that people are morally responsible. We believe that we are morally responsible to God for how we act. We believe that there is a, we ha- not only are we morally responsible, but we have a responsibility to act in accordance to biblical morality. And biblical morality says things like love. I know I keep saying this over and over and over. Love others, love your neighbor, neighbor, put others before you, deny yourself, die to yourself. Don't follow yourself, but follow Christ. The Show humility. Don't be selfish. Be selfless. These are basic biblical things. Should we not be responsible to exercise that form of morality in the time of a global pandemic where the world can go, those people think differently. Those people act differently. Those people show love and concern. And they're not just concerned about themselves. They're not just concerned about their rights and their freedoms. They're worried about other people. But has the world seen that? And maybe the church owes the world an apology. Maybe the church needs to apologize to the world. The only issue is some of the people who think that we do owe the world an apology thinks we owe the world an apology not for being selfish and only caring about ourselves and our rights and our freedom. And not because, no, they think we owe the world an apology for some things Maybe completely different from that. Now, we've listened to this in a previous broadcast. We didn't make it very far, but I'm going to dedicate the rest of this episode to work on us, to listen to a sermon that was the featured sermon on Sermon Audio, all right? So the number one sermon site on the internet featured a sermon where someone offers a COVID apology to America, Now, I want you to hear this because it's just the timing of it could not have been better because here is a church saying, okay, America, we need to apologize to you. Now, 800,000 people dead, millions dead globally, Omicron spreading, Omicron's now the, the, the dominant variant, hospital systems are overwhelmed, National Guard's being mobilized, all kinds of crazy, uh, NHL's paused their season, NFL's uh, postponing games, NBA, uh, Broadway is shutting down, the, I mean, just all kinds of just craziness happening all over the place. There's, there's just stuff going on everywhere. And while that's going on, while that's going on, well, we have a sermon on Sermon Audio saying, hey, America, America, listen, we owe you an apology. All right, so it's just, you could not pick the better timing. So we need to hear what this apology is because maybe we need to, maybe you need to apologize. Maybe I need to apologize. Maybe your church needs to apologize. Maybe my church needs to apologize. Maybe we all need to just go out in, you know, in the downtown area of every city and just fall down on our knees and say, we apologize for what? What What do we owe an apology for? Now, I can, I can tell you this. And I, and I will be dogmatic about this. 
If we did not meet our moral responsibility, we probably owe an apology. If we spread false information, we owe the world an apology. If we bore false witness, we owe the world an apology. If we demonstrated love for self and selfishness over other people, we probably owe the world an apology. I just have a feeling that maybe those things are not going to be mentioned. Maybe I could be wrong, but let's listen to the apology itself. Now, remember, I have the volume for this cranked all the way to 100. However, I cannot help that sometimes people who record sermons for online seem to have a difficult task and thinking about the volume level in which they record their programs. I I need to send a memo out to all churches. Hey, if you're going to post your sermons online, could you possibly post them at a reasonable volume? Okay, and I know what you're saying. Yes, you need to read that memo because you need to post your things at a lower volume. I always try to post them at a higher volume because it's easier for people to turn it down but you can only turn the volume up on your phone or other devices so much. It's easier to turn it down. You can only turn it up so much. And so if you turn it up all the way to 100 and you still can barely hear it, that's not good. Okay, so that's a whole different. Maybe churches owe the world an apology for the things they post on the internet that either have some of the worst sound quality in the history of mankind or just doesn't meet basic volume requirements. Okay, but uh, that's that's a whole different thing. All right, are you, I'm trying to have a little bit of fun here, a little bit of fun, okay, um, before I'm going to probably lose my mind and, and feel like my daughter did and, well, get ready to... And now, obviously, she'd not actually physically threaten to beat someone up. Obviously, that sh- she didn't say that to the person. She was thinking that. Okay, obviously, she didn't say that. Or that would be on the news tonight. Okay, so she didn't say that, but... In her mind, she wanted to beat the person up while wearing a Santa hat on American Airlines flight because she was tired of dealing with people acting like two-year-olds. Well, when I every time I talk about the church and COVID, sometimes I want to start yelling and screaming, even though I'm not wearing a Santa hat, because I get so frustrated about it. So let's let's go through this. Are you ready? Here we go. Repentance is not only a requirement of Christianity. But it is also a virtue. Acknowledging our sin and turning from it leads to blessing in our life. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes part of something much bigger than himself. And one thing you start to become aware of when Jesus saves you is how Christianity is presented to the world by the thousands of professing churches that are out there. You start to realize that there's a there's a a presentation of Christianity by all these churches. And when you become a Christian, you start to care about how Jesus is presented to the world. And sadly, much of what claims to be Christian is far from it in this nation and in the world. And it is a challenging thing for the true follower of Jesus to tell unbelievers that so much of what they see out there is not actually Christianity. And as such... For many a true follower of Jesus over this past year, the response of the professing evangelical and even reformed church during this coronavirus has been one of the most discouraging and disheartening parts of the whole year. Okay, so one of the most disheartening, discouraging things of the entire year. (laughs) 
Now, I know I, I make the same, I make these same mistakes too, but I just want you to think about this. So, because he's doing an entire program about offering an apology about COVID. For him, the one of the most disheartening discouraging things of the entire year wasn't the fact that we crossed the 800,000 people dead from COVID line. That wasn't discouraging or disheartening. What was discouraging and disheartening was the way the church responded to it. Now, is it because the church responded in a heartless way so that we demonstrated that we didn't care about people dying? Is that what, is that what was discouraging? What was discouraging? I just think when we, sometimes it's just so weird when we talk about the COVID thing, it's like nobody seems bothered by the fact that people are dying. It's like, have we become so callous? Hey, 800,000 people died. Yeah, so what? I got better things to do. It's like, have we become that? Yeah, I'm more worried about the fact we're going to have church service next Sunday. I don't care how many people died last week. Man, get your priorities right. Oh, by the way, we're pro-life. So, it's just, just, hey, one of the most discouraging parts wasn't the fact that people were getting sick and dying. No, 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 no. It was how the church was responding. Now, I would agree if you're getting ready to say the church responded in a heartless, callous way and contributed to the sickness and to the death and didn't do anything to prevent it, then maybe I can agree. But let's see which direction he goes here. So one of the most discouraging, disheartening things was how the church responded to COVID. All right, all right let's, what, what did the church do wrong? What did the church do wrong about COVID? Dealing with government overreach, media-induced fear and hysteria without end would have been bad enough. But the one place where Christians should have been able to find refuge from that spirit, from that mindset, from that worldview, was within the church. There, within the church, believers should have found a different spirit, a spirit of faith and trust and courage, a spirit of freedom and peace. Believers so what what went wrong is the church bought into the panic, the fear. So the church should have been a place where there was no fear. There was freedom, right? Freedom, just that's a key word, freedom. No fear, no, no. no. So, and I, and I, I just got to stress this, okay? I, I have to say this every time. So many times when I hear Christians say this, look, the world was panicking. We should have demonstrated that we have no fear. And we're not worried. Many cases, I can't speak for the person talking here, but for many churches where I heard this nonsense, those were some of the same people who go to the same churches who were like, we're going to have armed security in our church building. And if someone comes in here with a gun, we're going to shoot them. So we're going to make sure we have people carrying guns in our church. But hey, we're not afraid. Hey, we're not afraid. We're not afraid. We're not afraid of of a virus that's killed 800,000 people. We're worried about someone coming in our church shooting us because the number of people shot in churches is astronomical. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, probably like 300,000 people have been shot and killed in churches over the last 12 months. We better make sure we have armed guards in our churches. Now, I, I emphasize this because I was listening to a sermon from a church in Dallas, Texas, not far from me. And they were talking about how they have armed guards and they, like almost bragging about the fact, hey, don't come to our church or you're going to get, you're going to be met with force. You're going to be met with bullets. And you're like, whoa, what? And, and so I've seen pictures taken by the secular media 
who've gone into some of the churches who are all big about guns, guns, guns. And, and there they are. They got their hands out, up raised and, and it'll be like they're, 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 the words of a praise song is up on the big screen. And it'll be like, God, you are our refuge, our rock, our shield, our protector. And while they're singing that, it, the, the photograph captures the words on the screen, shows the uplifted hands, and then shows a, a lot of the people in the congregation wearing guns while they're singing that. Hey, God, you're our protector. You're our shield. You're our rock. We're not, we're, we don't fear anything, but we've got guns in case someone comes in here to try to har- harm us. We've got guns to protect us in case someone comes in to shoot us, but we're not going to take any precautions in case a virus comes in to infect us. See, if you have to social distance or wear a mask, that's cowardly. But you need guns to ensure no one breaks into your house, tries to carjack you, shoot you at Walmart, or whatever the case may be. It's just really weird that the church that is so pro-gun, because we need to protect ourselves, is the very group of people who don't want to take any precautions during a pandemic. So what we, what, what, what we did wrong is we bought into the fear. We bought into the fear, and we sacrificed freedom. So churches who took precautions, they obviously are the ones who are going to be accused of buying into the fear. Those who may have went with restrictions are the ones who didn't have the spirit of freedom. So they did it wrong. They did it wrong. Okay. I, I, sometimes it's just hard. I don't understand sometimes really how to even navigate Christianity. All right. So not pro-mask, pro-gun. Okay. I got I to gotta get this right. Don't buy a mask, buy a gun. All right. Okay. I, I got, sometimes I forget how this, this works being a Christian. Okay. I'm pro gun. I'm not pro mask. I'm pro gun. I'm not pro vaccine. All right. I'm pro life, but I'm pro gun. <laughs> okay. All right. But I'm pro war because you got to support wars, right? Remember, remember after 9-11, I mean, churches were all for supporting the war, right? We support our troops. Let's go invade a country, right? So uh, that I, I sometimes, so I got to be pro war. I got to be pro gun. Don't be pro mask. Don't be pro vaccine, but be pro life. All right. I, 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 sometimes I need, I need a, I need a dispensational prophecy chart to keep track of where I'm supposed to be because clearly I don't find myself on the right side of any of these issues within evangelical Christianity. It's really sometimes perplexing to even know how to think anymore, all right? But let's let's see where, I know I'm, I'm cutting him off a little bit, but let's let him develop it. So basically right now, hey, the church got it wrong. The world had the wrong mindset and the church followed the world's mindset. We should have had a biblical mindset, right? Which would have been no fear and freedom. All right. Should have been able to point to the church, the called out ones, the faithful ones, and said to a watching world, behold, there is something otherworldly. There is something different from the world. Sadly, that wasn't the case for most churches in the United States and perhaps the world. Uncertainty, fear, cancellations of fellowship, Mask requirements and social distance regulations thrived in the church just as much as they did in the world. Now, there you have it. See, the church, we were doing mask requirements, social distancing. I mean, give me a break. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I mean, that is just that's that's a bridge too far. Wearing a mask, 
social distancing, that is that is compromise. That is fear. That is liberal. That is unbiblical. Biblical Christians don't wear masks during pandemics. Biblical Christians don't wash their hands to stop the spread of viruses. Like I need, a, in, in our bathrooms, in our church, I need to take a picture of it. I'll share the picture of it. Uh, I'll share the picture uh, with everyone uh, in the Discord uh, group. I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of it. It's in our bathroom. It basically says proper hand-washing techniques. And I, th- I think it says proper hand-washing techniques. I, I can't remember. I'll have to look at the sign. Uh, maybe it's still there. Maybe it used to be there. But there, there's a sign there about washing your hands. No, no, no. Biblical Christians, we don't wash our hands, okay? Do not, okay? And, and hey, and your nurseries, make sure you do not uh, wa- you know, wipe everything down and sanitize everything. Do do not, cause man, we want those vi- those germs to spread from kid to kid to kid. And hey, if your kid has the flu, bring them in. We'll bring them up in front of the church, and I'll have the kid cough in everyone's face because we have no fear. We have no fear. We are brave. We are courageous. We are not scared of anything. Or you could say we're in the middle of a global pandemic. People are dying. Wonder what precautions we could possibly take. You know, make think of some precautions. What are some basic things you do in the middle of a pandemic or an outbreak of anything? What are some things you do? Let's see here. Oh, quarantine. Okay, that that's something we could do. Oh, wait, uh, hygiene. Those are some things you can do. Oh, mask wearing. Okay, yeah, that social distance. There's some basic things we do. Things I did, you know, for 20, 22 years in the medical world. You know, oh, wait, we're going to have separate waiting rooms. If your child is showing up with any of the following symptoms, they're going to go to this waiting room because the children are here for their well baby check or for something other, just a checkup. We don't want them to be around the kids who are sick because they possibly may get it. So, oh, we're going to distance them. We're going to separate them. Oh, wow. What a re- what a crazy idea. That is, that is in, who came up with that stupid idea? Oh, wait, if someone walks into our hospital and they seem to have flu-like symptoms, we're going to require them to put on a mask. What a dumb idea. Oh, wait, none of it, well, none of this was controversial before. Oh, nobody threw a fit and laid on the ground like a grown, grown man going, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not like uh, at the other day at the doctor's office when someone refused to put on a mask and well, started having physical confrontation with the hospital security and then cops had to be called and then he's carried off in handcuffs because he's acting like a two-year-old, right? That, that's, that's what we see today. But, but the church is like, you know, no, 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 no. If we do those things, we did it wrong. See, we did it wrong. Now, again, I want to make sure everybody understands there is a million miles distance between complete shutting everything down versus having in-person services, reducing the number of people in each service, requiring mask and social distancing. There's, it's, it's, it's not this, we always group it together. Lockdown, then these other things. No, you can do those other things and still have church. And people are like, no, 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 no. And I get, I get all the emails and it's like somebody like, you, you can't, no, I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to. The church should always meet. I, I've literally received emails. I received an email. That is, it's unbiblical. The church should always meet together as one. There should not be separate services of smaller numbers. That's unbiblical and that's ungodly. And I'm like, oh, really? Could you give me the name of your church? And then I'll go look up their church. I'm like, your church has three services on Sunday. Why is that? I thought they all have to meet 
at the same time. So why do you have an early service and a later service? Why? why, what? Well, but that has nothing to do with the pandemic. But that means you're willing to have multiple services to accommodate people. So why wouldn't you just increase the number of services, lower the number of people, and then you could follow the guidelines, and then you could social distance, and you could wear a mask, and then you could try to do your best to keep people safe and do what the government is asking you to do while yet maintaining worship service. I know, what an absolutely ridiculous thing. That sounds like, I don't know, being an adult. But no, 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 we're not going to do that. We should not do anything. Because the Christian solution for a pandemic, don't do anything. That's, that's the Christian solution. I've entitled this message, A COVID Apology to America on Behalf of the Evangelical Church. A COVID Apology to America on Behalf of the Evangelical Church. As you can imagine, it's not going to be a typical sermon. This is what I believe the professing evangelical and reformed church should say to America, to a watching world, to the unbelievers around us. And of course, she should not only say these things, but she should change her course accordingly. So here's the apology. The COVID apology to America on behalf of the evangelical church. And there's seven parts to this apology. America, we're sorry. We had a once in a lifetime, perhaps, opportunity to show you how different Christianity is from the world. And we failed. We failed. Years ago, Leonard Ravenhill. Now, he says we failed. How did the church fail? And your, your estimation, how did the church fail? So, so let's go through this. All right. There were bars, there were restaurants, there were businesses who refused to follow the rules, who said, nope, we're not going to require a mask, we're not going to do social distancing, we're not going to shut down, we're not going to limit the number of people. There were plenty of businesses, bars, strip clubs, you name it, who said, we're not going to follow the rules. Now, what he is saying is that we, I think this is where he's going to go, we failed and we owe the, uh, America an apology because, well, we, well, we, we didn't follow that same spirit. In other words, we should have done what the world, many, many in the world was doing and fought against these things. So, so I'm making sure we understand just fighting against these rules is not necessarily a godly position because many in the world took the same position. They're like, come and lock us down. We're not going to do it. We're not going to follow the rules. We're not going to do it. We're not going to require it. We're not going to require, we don't care what the rules are. There are many who did the exact same thing. So if we followed the rules, we owe an apology. We, owe, we, we, we did not demonstrate Christianity. So here's the question. What is a biblical demonstration of Christianity to a world in the middle of a pandemic? Who defines what it is? Because it seems like here, this is the, what I, I, I keep getting from the evangelical world. The way we demonstrate Christianity to a world in the middle of a pandemic 
is that we refuse to follow any of the rules. We worry about our freedom. We worry about our rights. We worry about ourselves. We don't care who gets sick. We don't care who dies. We don't care about an overwhelmed healthcare system. We don't care if 800,000 die, 1 million die. We don't care. Because this is more important. Is that the way we demonstrate it? And, and like... Does the Bible tell us how to, what does the Bible tell us to do? Because, because I think the Bible is going to tell you love others, love your neighbor. It's going to be some basic things. Now I know everybody's going to go, but, but forsake not the assembly, forsake not the assembly. Okay. I, I agree that, that word, that, that verse is there, but there are other verses that has to be considered as well. You can't just take one verse and trump all of the other verses. So as I've already said, it's one thing to shut completely down. It's another thing to say, okay, maybe we don't, we feel like that's a bridge too far, but here's what we can do. And then start looking for everything you can do where you're operating at least as close to the spirit of the law as possible, right? You're following the rules as much as possible, yet maintaining a certain level of what you feel is required to be obedient to scripture. But I could never find any, like nobody wanted to find a happy medium in any of this. And that's what drives me crazy. But he's getting ready to say that what Christianity needs is not a new definition, but a correct demonstration. We don't need a new definition of Christianity. We need a demonstration of Christianity. Well, what is a demonstration of Christianity in the middle of a pandemic? Said the world out there is not waiting for a new definition of Christianity. It's waiting for a new demonstration of Christianity. It's not waiting for a new definition of Christianity, but a new demonstration of Christianity. The COVID debacle of 2020 and 2021 was the perfect opportunity for us as the professing evangelical and reformed church to give you that new demonstration of Christianity. We could have shown you what it means to live free from fear. We could have shown you what it means to value spiritual things more than material things. We could have shown you that Christians are different. Instead, most evangelical churches acted just like the world. Our profession of faith made little difference in our lives. Our churches closed their doors just like the Lions Club and the community bingo night. It's too late for us to change how we responded. It's too late for us now to change how we responded. But the least we can do is to say that we're sorry. So that's it. We, we have to apologize that we shut down. We have to apologize that we followed any of those rules because following those rules demonstrates fear. Now, again, I, I, I don't know about that church, but I know so many Christians who say this and they're the ones who want a gun. Like, oh, we should have a right to own a gun. I got to own a gun. Got to protect my family because, you know, the, the, the threat of home invasion is extremely high. And I got, and I, and I, the, if you try to give them statistics, oh, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, 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 no. I need a gun. I need a gun. I need a gun. I need a, doesn't matter how many church shootings have actually occurred. We need guns. We need armed security. It's just amazing. Like, well, wait a minute. Did that not demonstrate fear? Does that not demonstrate the same mentality of the world? The world is like, no, I want a gun to protect myself. Like, what? But no, 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 no. So because other people in the world closed down, they're acting like the world. But what what about the people in the world who didn't close down? 
who didn't follow the rules. So in other words, no matter what we did, whether we closed down or didn't close down, we were going to be acting like someone in the world. (laughs) Because there were people in the world who didn't close down and didn't follow the rules. And there's people who did. There's people who protested. There's people who get on American airline flights and other airlines as well, who act like absolute complete children who won't wear a mask. So when I went to the hospital the other day, it was the Christian thing for me to go, I'm not going to wear a mask and you're going to give me medical care. Is, was that have been the, would, would I have demonstrated my great Christianity? Would, would that have been a good witness to everyone in the, in the waiting room there? Hey, I'm a Christian and I don't follow rules. Would they have been like, praise Jesus, let me sign up for that. Because there's a lot of rules I don't want to follow as well. Is that, is that, like, I don't really... So we're apologizing for doing what some in the world was doing when what we should have been doing is following what others in the world were doing. And I I still don't know. We're apologizing for our actions. I I guess, I guess he would say we're, 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 I, I, I am assuming the scriptural justification for this apology would be Hebrews 10. Don't forsake the assembly. Don't forsake the assembly. Don't forsake the assembly. I wonder how strict, how strict is that rule? Just, just, just a thought. How strict is that rule? We can never, we can never cancel a church service. How, how does that work? Can we cancel church services during in, uh, bad weather? Because I, I, I've never seen churches have a problem with that, right? Blizzard, hurricane, tornadoes, thunderstorms. I, I've seen churches cancel for the wildfires. I've seen churches cancel for, can, so, oh, well you, well, you can cancel if there's an immediate threat, but you can't cancel if there's just a perceived threat from a global pandemic, because in other words, you can, you can cancel for one service. You can't cancel, but can you cancel for a potluck? Can you cancel for Christmas? Can you cancel for 4th of July? Okay. What can you, because it's like, you cannot cancel because the Bible says for na- forsake not the assembly, but I've seen lots of justifications for canceling for other things. So how, how I, I, it's just weird. We pull out Hebrews 10 when it just, when it, when it works for us. So if someone forsakes the assembly by not showing up to all of the church services, do you have people in your church who don't show up to all church services? Do they get held accountable? Is there church discipline for people who don't hold, hold, show up to all church services unless they're missing because of sickness or work? Oh, no, 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 we don't do that. So so I, I need to understand, I've got to apologize. And it, and it, and it sounds like we've got to apologize, not just for shutting down, we've got to apologize for wearing masks as well. So where would be the scriptural justification for apologizing for, for, for refute, for refute, or no, for wearing masks, for the churches that required masks, the ones who refuse to wear masks, they don't need to apologize. For the churches that required masks, they have to apologize. Like, I, I, I'm i glad, yeah, this, okay, uh, let's just keep going. And so, here's seven things we're sorry for, America. Number one, we're sorry we contradicted so much of what we had told you previously. Prior to the coronavirus, we told you that it was vital for Christians to gather together in fellowship. We preached about passages such as Hebrews 10:25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We told you about Christians throughout church history who were willing to meet despite the dangers of persecution, oppression, and even death. We held these men and women up as examples of faithfulness. And then when the coronavirus struck us, we scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Forgive us. Forgive us. Prior to the coronavirus, we told you that living for Christ was worth more than anything this world could offer, including safety, health, and prosperity. We told you about Christians going back to the apostles who truly understood the gospel and were willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. We told you about missionaries and housewives, preachers and plowboys who were willing to die if they could only read the scripture with their brothers and sisters in Christ. We told you that obedience to Christ was not an optional part of discipleship, but the very essence of following Jesus. Now, let's make it very clear. Obeying Christ is more than just going to church. Okay, let's let's make sure. Obeying Christ also shows putting others before yourself, loving others, loving your enemy, denying yourself. Like, let's not reduce. Obedience simply means going to church. Hey, we apologize because we closed down. Now, again, what if they didn't close down? Do they have to apologize if they didn't close down, but they required mask and social distancing? Do they have to apologize then? Or do they only apologize if they close down? And if they close down for COVID, do they have to apologize this winter if they close down for blizzards, icy roads, or any other bad weather situations. And people say, well, it's not the same thing. It is the same thing. You're closing down for safety reasons. And if you can't close down for safety reasons during a pandemic, you can't close down for a hurricane. You can't close down for a blizzard. People, you you value God more than your own safety. You load your kids in the back of that car, you drive through the blizzard, and you come to church because if you don't, you're not obedient to God. They say, well, it's not the same thing. It is the same thing. It is the same thing. It's the exact same thing. It's just, well, one, you know you're only canceling for this service. This one, you don't know how long you're canceling. I do agree. There is a difference, but the principle of canceling is the same. You cancel at certain situations. Now, there's always disagreement. Some people say, well, you shouldn't cancel for anything. I don't care if there's a blizzard. Some people will say that. All right, well, great. If you're consistent, I don't have an issue. We don't cancel for anything. Hurricane, wildfire, nuclear bomb, fire, we're not canceling. Okay. Then you're being absolutely 100% consistent. I got no problem. But I just see churches cancel for all kinds of things. I I drive past churches all the time. Like, oh, well, I guess they're not having church tonight. Oh, wait, I guess they're not having church today. Oh, I guess they're not. I'm like, okay, they canceled, they canceled, they canceled. I'll get those notifications from churches. We're changing our church schedule because it's summertime or it's fall. And then they'll they'll eliminate some services or add a service. Well, wait, what what are you doing? You you can't do that. It's got to be the same all the time. No, you, you can make modifications when you can. Now, I understand we shouldn't, we should do everything in our power not to cancel for anything. I am 100% in agreement. But again, you've got to explain, do the churches who did not close down, 
but required mask and social distancing, do they need to apologize as well? Because it's about that you should value church more than your own safety. All right, well, just be consistent with that. Because I saw some churches who were very well-known, very popular churches, well-known, who refused to follow the rules, but those same churches canceled services when there were some major wildfires spreading in California, they canceled services. So they canceled for wildfires, but they didn't cancel for the wildfire of a pandemic. Now, you, you, come on now. You, you got to be, you, you got to be consistent. You, you, you have to think these things through, at least in part, other than just throwing out little cliches. But let's, let's go through, because he's going to get seven things. I want to hear all of them. We told you all these things, and then when it was going to cost us something to stand for Jesus against the world, we crumbled like a house of cards. Forgive us. Forgive us. Number two. I want to make this very clear, because that is that is so unfair and completely fraudulent mischaracterization. Many churches who closed down didn't do so because we're afraid. We're afraid that the world's going to come get us. We're afraid. We're, we're canceling services. We're afraid. Everybody afraid. How about it's this? How about it's this? Well, we're in the middle of a pandemic. What do we do here? This is a bad situation. We don't know how bad this is going to spread. We don't know how many people are going to get sick. We don't want anyone to die. So say, I'm a pastor. I got to care for the sheep. I don't want this place to be a place where people get sick and die. I don't want this place to be a place where it spreads and it hurts people in the community. Our healthcare system locally is saying that we're overwhelmed. I got a responsibility to make sure we don't. Like, I think, I, I think it's completely ungodly to characterize people who canceled as simply caving into the world are fearful. Let's make it very clear to this individual. My church is located here in Texas. There wasn't a rule placed on us to do anything, okay? I mean, there were very few rules. We, I mean, in fact, my church is in the middle of nowhere. Nobody cares what we're doing. They don't even know we exist, okay? So we could have done pretty much whatever we wanted to do, and I still went to live streaming I tried to have services when we could. I tried to implement when we could, but I but I followed, listen, I didn't follow the rules of government. I didn't follow federal mandates. This is what I followed. What are the local hospitals doing? What are they saying? They're saying they're overwhelmed right now. Okay, then we're going to go to live streaming and we're going to do everything we can to ensure that we as a church don't contribute to those numbers. Now, in some cases, we would have a service and then, well, someone in the church would be uh, get a, a positive diagnosis of COVID. I'm like, okay, well, guys, no more live uh, live services for 14 days because someone in the church tested positive. So we can't do we can't do that. I did what we could. Sometimes I would have one service, then go two, three weeks and not have an in-person service. Try to mix and match. Try to try to do everything I could. Now, did, am I saying every decision I made was right? I'm not saying that. I'm saying every decision I made was wrong, not saying that, but it would be absolutely foolish to say that when it was going to cost, what was it going to cost me? 
What was it going to cost me to stay open? It wouldn't have cost me a thing. There was no persecution. There was nothing coming at me. Nothing. I chose, my decisions was made what's best for the people in the church. What can I do to protect people? What can I do to keep this from spreading? What can I do? What is some reasonable decisions to make here? All right, now, nobody knew exactly. The same thing happens sometimes with weather. You're like, man, what do we do? Do we cancel service? You know, especially here in West Texas. Because every once in a while, we'll get some massive cold front that will come through where, you know, it wrecks havoc. If you paid attention to the news, uh, you know that last winter we got hit hard here in Texas and we lost power and lost water. And it was it was craziness, okay? Uh, temperatures plummeted. It was Our power grid couldn't, it was just, it was devastating, all right? Um, but same thing, sometimes I'll go, well, guys, what do we do? What do we do? We, we got a chance for uh, ice and sleet that can make it and there's times that we've not canceled and I'll be driving here going, what was I thinking? I was stupid. So as soon as we get to the church, I'm like, okay, guys, we just got to get home. All right, everybody just go, I'm sorry. Right? And there's times I've canceled and then nothing happens. And I'm like, what was I thinking, right? So uh, there's always decisions and making and what to do. I, don't, I think that, that, uh, you, if you know the pastor who got up behind the pulpit and said, guys, we have to cancel. We have to lock everything down because I'm scared. It's going to cost us too much. If you've got the audio of that pastor, then by all means, send it to me. And then I will, I will, I'd be willing to condemn that and say that that's not a biblical mindset. But I bet you there were very painstaking conversations happening in churches all across America. Whether I agree with their theology or hate their theology, they were all probably going, man, we, because look, you want to talk about cost you something? Let, Let me explain something. What costs you more? Don't shut down. Maybe you have to face some hardship with the with the local community. Okay, maybe that will cost you a little bit. But or so don't shut down. Face some issues maybe with the local government, or shut down, and your giving plummets by fifty to seventy percent, and now you don't have money to pay your bills. What 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 about that? Say, how come he doesn't look at it from the other perspective? Many of the churches who closed down, it costs them greatly financially. Many churches who who shut down lost members. So let's not make, let's not pretend that closing down didn't come with the cost. It came with a great cost. It's not think that the only people who had to pay the cost were the people who stayed open. Give me a break. There was going to be a cost no matter what you did. It was a no-win situation. How about have a little bit of grace and understand that? No matter what you did, there was going to be a cost. Because no matter what you did, someone was going to be upset. Someone was going to leave your church. Or you're going to have to face with some kind of ramifications, whether from the government or whether from losing giving, whatever the case may be. So it's just completely unfair to say people gave in because they were afraid. They they gave they gave in because they didn't know what they were they they didn't know what was best to do and they were trying to ensure that they protected people. Yeah, you, you got to at least say that most of the decisions to shut down came from a right heart. Maybe not, maybe maybe they made the wrong decision, but you can't question the motives. We're sorry we perverted the glorious and beautiful blessing of Christian fellowship. We're sorry we perverted 
the glorious and beautiful blessing of Christian fellowship. We neglected the fellowship of the saints. For some of us, it didn't even take one week for us to cancel fellowship. We dressed it up with a lot of explanations and qualifications, but the bottom line is that we told everyone to stop meeting together as a church body, as a corporate body. We did not accurately demonstrate the doctrine of Christian fellowship. We made Christianity and the fellowship that is to occur there to look no different than a social club or a sports league willing to cancel gatherings on the word of a pagan tyrant. But even worse... We canceled services on the words of a pagan tyrant. Now, was the pagan tyrant Trump or was the pagan tyrant Biden or both? And should we never follow the, listen to the words of a pagan tyrant? If the, if the mayor of your city is a pagan tyrant but issues a warning that, I don't know, a wildfire is coming or a hurricane coming and you need to evacuate, do you not listen? Maybe the weatherman is a pagan tyrant. Do we not ever listen to pagan tyrants? Hey, we're evacuating this area. I'm sorry, sir. I need to see your spiritual card. What, what do you mean? I need to know if you're a pagan tyrant, I don't listen to you. Wait, wait what? No, but there's, there's danger. Sorry, we don't listen to pagan tyrants in this church. We only listen to Christians. Okay, so the glorious blessing of fellowship. Now, again, I have to ask the question, what if, what if churches still had fellowship? They reduced the number of people and they had mask and social distancing. Did they, or do they need to apologize or just the churches who did shutdowns? And again, what, I have to ask the question, what can you cancel church for? When is it acceptable to cancel church? When is it acceptable? Because I guarantee you, a lot of churches, a lot of churches, and this happens a lot of times, if Christmas falls on a Sunday, I've seen churches have no church service on Sunday if Christmas falls on a Sunday. If New Year's Day falls on a Sunday, I've seen plenty of churches cancel services. I've seen churches cancel services if Sunday falls on a 4th of July, uh, maybe their Sunday evening service. I've seen, I've seen them cancel for all kinds of holidays. Uh, so when can you cancel? It's amazing how so many cancelizations are perfectly acceptable, but in this particular case, they were considered now unbiblical. It's rare. It's like, is this a, is this, Objective or is it very subjective and very relativistic? I, I don't know. Then abandoning Christian fellowship, perhaps, is that we perverted it. We encouraged you to think that Christians view online events as true gatherings or fellowship or even services. And this was all a gross perversion of what God intended for his people. We know that none of these things are fellowship, but we continue to act as if they were. And to our shame, when we finally found some courage to meet, or if we're honest, when we were finally allowed to meet by the state, we continue to enforce masks and distancing mandates. We showed that we really don't care if truth. See, here you go. See, now, I, oh, see, it had nothing. See, this is what I keep talking about. 
It's not even about them. Christians keep saying the same thing. Well, the state cannot tell us to meet. They can't. So even if you meet though, if you did the mask and social distancing, you still did something wrong. So basically the Christian mindset is we apologize to America because we didn't do it our way. We apologize to America because we should have stood our ground. We should have had our way, our will, our word. And we would tell you that our way, our will, our word is God's way, God's will, God's word, because we speak for God. See, it, 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 it oh, I knew that's where it was going. I knew it was going because I, there's a little bit of there I can say, okay, if you feel that that canceling services and, and, lock, and, and not having in-person services was a bridge too far, okay. But I kept asking the question, what if they wore a mask and social distancing? Now we're going to be told even that was wrong, that this is where I don't get it. You, you can't even do the bare minimum. The bare minimum is too much for you because the persecution, you got to wear a mask. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like being in Rome and being taken to the Colosseum. <laughs> They they got eaten by lions, but we had to wear a mask. <laughs> the great persecution of 2021. <laughs> I had to wear a mask. I don't know if I'll ever live again. It's literally how some people act. Like we're being persecuted. Now, maybe it's just working in the medical world for 22 years and had to wear a mask in all kinds of different situations. Maybe for me, I'm like, what is the big deal? Now, is it always fun? No, I can't even imagine right now having to be at work in a hospital wearing a mask eight, nine hours a day. Oh man, that would be ridiculous. Okay, I can understand not wanting to do that. But I mean, come on, persecution? So so even if you, even if you, and again, if you had the courage to meet, all right, and then you still... You, you went along with these things. Let me back that up just a little bit. See, I knew this is where it was going. I knew. I had to know this is where it was going. Continue to enforce masks and distancing mandates. We showed that we really don't care if true fellowship occurs. True fellowship where believers can interact with one another, see each other's faces, and act as a family. We really only... All right, see? Now, you got to see... So now... It's, you've got to see each other's faces. If you don't see each other's faces, <laughs> that's not Christian fellowship. That's, no, 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 that's not Christian fellowship in any way, shape, or form. You have to see each other's faces. That, and you got to interact with one another. You got to interact. You got to interact. You got, you, got, you got to interact. Okay. All right. So now, now it's going beyond. It's not just showing up. You, if you have mask on, that's not Christian fellowship. It, that's right there. It's in the Greek. It's right there in the Greek. If thou can't see others' faces, thou hast not experienced fellowship. You must repent of your grave sin, of your blasphemy, of your ungodliness. Make sure everyone can see each other's faces. This is a very important rule. Make sure you can see other people's faces. <laughs> it's, I, I didn't, I, well, I, I must have missed that. Okay, all right. It's just interesting that, 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 that this is now all a part of it. See, I knew, it, I, knew, I knew this was not going to be, we apologize for anything we've done to contribute 
to the problem. No, 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 no. This is, we apologize that we didn't act like children and just do what we wanted to do in the first place. We cared about continuing to present a facade of Christianity. Now we had good motives and intentions, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Truth be told, we caved to the pressure. Our actions are a stain upon the true church's testimony concerning the doctrine of Christian fellowship and its importance in the life of the church. We're sorry we perverted that wonderful doctrine with our actions. Number three, we're sorry we conformed to the... Now, I, I just, I, I would be interested, since, since now we're going to elevate the doctrine of Christian fellowship as this important doctrine, I, I, before we apologize to the world, I just want to ensure that we have policies in our local churches that if people miss fellowship, I don't know how many they can miss, there's church discipline. I want to make sure we, because that means they're abusing Christian fellowship and Christian fellowship is a very important doctrine. And if you got people in your church missing and they don't have justification for missing, then I bet you we better, uh, we better get right on to that. We better, we better send in the, the Christian fellowship police and we better do some, uh, some confront. How many can they miss? Let's say you have Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday, but they constantly miss Sunday night or Wednesday. Are you going to do anything about it? I mean, we're, we're apologizing to the world because, man, we actually canceled services. We owe everyone an apology. Well, that would give the, the idea then that we don't tolerate missing church in this church. Now, if, if you want to go full-blown that way, but I guarantee you that most churches don't have that policy. People miss all the time. I mean, I, I, I've seen it. I've been, I've, I've been a member of, lar- of a relatively large church in Nebraska. I can't remember how many on a Sunday morning, 200, 300. I don't remember how many it was, but that's Sunday morning. Sunday night, you come back. May, I don't even think there was 100 left for Sunday night. And then when you came back on Wednesday, we didn't even meet in the sanctuary. We met downstairs sitting in a semicircle. There's 20 or 30 people. 300 on a Sunday morning, 30 on a Wednesday. Where's the rest of the people? Was there ever any church discipline? No, no. Wait, they're perverting Christian fellowship. They're perverting Christian fellowship. I'm all for it. You want to fight that battle? Fight that battle. You will be at this church. If you're not this church, you're perverting church fellowship. We're not going to tolerate it for one second. Because we take a stand. We're, we're drawing the line in the sand. We will be at church. Now, you can go full-blown legalistic that way if you want. Oh, oh no, 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 no. We're just going to apologize to the world because we canceled services. Like the world really cared what we did. But okay, all right. Oh, that church canceled services. Oh, boy. Yeah. So every time we cancel services, we need to apologize to the world. Hey, we need to put an ad in the paper. Hey, we canceled services, uh, you know, a couple of months ago for, for a holiday. We need to apologize. No, we only apologize when it relates to a pandemic. That's the only time we have to apologize. The world. Christians are supposed to look different from the world. The fear that characterizes so much of our world, amplified to the extreme during the coronavirus, is unbecoming for a true church of Jesus Christ. We know 
that we have been charged to not be conformed to this world or this age in Romans 12 too. However, we found the temptation too strong and the potential cost too high for us to have our minds transformed during the coronavirus. Instead of standing as a city upon a hill, as a light for a lost, confused, and scared world, we acted just like everyone else. We acted just like the pagans of the second and third century who encouraged people to stay away from others. We conformed to the world. And we understand. And remember, conforming to the world here only applies to uh, not doing proper Christian fellowship and wearing masks and social distancing. That, that's how we conform to the world. He's not said anything about our responsibility to love, care for other people, not spread the disease, help our community. He hasn't said anything about our moral responsibility during a pandemic. We only apologize because what we should have done is not listen to anybody in the world. Here's, here's our apology. Hey, we apologize to you in the world because we listen to you. You're all idiots. You don't know what you're talking about. We shouldn't have listened to any of your rules. That's what we're, why are we even apologizing for that? Hey, hey, I I apologize that I I did what you asked me to do when I should have just told you no. So, but I want you to know that I'm sorry that I didn't tell you no, okay? I'm I'm sorry I didn't, that I didn't break all of your rules. I'm, I'm sorry. I just want you to know, hey, mom and dad, I just want you to know that I am sorry that I, that I, followed your rules. Now I realize your rules were stupid, that you're sinners, and I shouldn't listen to any of your rules because, well, you're sinners. So I should have just broken all of your rules. And I know that's a little bit of hyperbole there, but it's it's just kind of a weird, like I'm apologizing to you because we followed your rules. What we should have done is not listen to you. Next time we'll do a better job of not listening to you. So you keep a good eye out for us because the next time you have a rule, we will not follow it. So we want, I'm going to put this out there because I really carefully care. I really, I really want the world to hear this message. So I'm going to put it on sermon audio. <laughs> okay. I, I, I really want the world to know that I'm sorry. I did not follow your rules because the world just comes flood. I mean, the world spends a lot of time on sermon audio. They spend a lot of time there. And now if you view Christianity as simply a pie in the sky religion, that has no real practical consequences for life. We lived as as if that were the case. And you might not believe anything we say now, and we can hardly blame you for that based on how we responded. But that's not true Christianity. We conformed to the world and acted like the world, not like a Christian church. We're sorry for conforming to the world. And again... We're sorry we conform to the world by following your rules. Because to, sh- to truly be Christian, we don't follow your rules. We don't obey your rules. Because Romans 13 doesn't exist. Romans 13 doesn't apply. And we don't care if we, if we violated biblical rules like loving others or caring. It's just so like, this is so just arbitrary. Like, hey, the only rule we didn't, we, we, we apologize we didn't follow your rules because Hebrews 10.25 is the only rule that matters. That's the only rule that matters. Romans 13 doesn't apply. Love neighbor, love enemy doesn't apply. The only thing that applies is Hebrews 10.25. 
until, well, three weeks from now, we're not going to have a Sunday night service because we're going to have a, a potluck. So, 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 oh, oh wait, well, but, oh, no, we can cancel service for that. What in the world? Okay. Number four, we are sorry that we made our faithful brothers and sisters, those churches that stood firm from the very beginning of the COVID lockdowns, we're sorry for making them look like the outliers. While most of the professing church conformed to the world's thinking, a faithful remnant of congregations did not soil their garments with the fear and paranoia of the world. These congregations are worthy of godly admiration. But even when we had these godly examples right before our very eyes, we made them look like the extremists. We told you that we were doing the loving thing by not allowing the church to meet together. We made it look like these true churches were unwise, unloving, and uncharitable. We made it look like those churches that actually followed God's word and honored the individual conscience were the foolish ones. We showed you that forcing congregants to wear masks and stay away from one another was a loving thing. We're sorry. We were wrong. So, again, it's not just about church service. It's not, and, and I just, it drives me crazy. So many of the churches who, who refuse to follow the rules, they would not follow anything. That's, again, this is just, this, this is, this is what it always turns into. It's, it's either or. It, there, no one, no one seems to be capable within Christianity to go, okay, wait a minute. All right, canceling too far. All right, we're going to have services, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to reduce the number, wear masks, social distance, and we'll just increase the number of services so that everyone has the opportunity. And at the same time, we'll use technology to get more teaching out there, more, more studies, more doctrine, more theology. And so we'll use everything at our disposal. But no, 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 no. See, that's still wrong. That's still wrong. You're only godly if you did not follow any of the rules. The only godly approach was no mask, no social distancing, no nothing. All right, that, that's the only godly approach. Why? How did it become either or? You're telling me that with all the scripture about love, concern for others, obeying the authorities, that somehow you, and, and in Hebrews 10, 25, you're telling me if you put all of those scriptures together and you try to come up with a system, there would not be some kind of middle compromise there some way, shape, or form. But it, it's just either or. That's That's what I cannot stand about all of the discussions. We simply didn't have the courage or the backbone to take a stand. Part of us admire. I'm so tired of being told that I didn't have the courage or the backbone to take a stand. Every pastor, let me make it very clear. Every pastor, no matter what decision they made, shut down, don't shut down, wear masks, don't wear masks. Every pastor took a stand because no matter what decision they made, someone was going to disagree with and it was going to hurt or cost the church in some way, shape, or form. They were going to lose money. They were going to lose people. Whatever the case may be, it did not go well in some way, shape, or form. Don't tell me they didn't take a stand. Everyone took a stand. You may not be the stand you agreed with, but they took a stand. And don't tell me it didn't cost them. It cost everyone, no matter what stand they took. That's just so not fair. 
It's so not fair to characterize this. It's just not right. Everyone had to take a stand. They all had to figure out what to do. And they paid for it to some level. Those churches that actually lived out the Christian faith. But we just felt much more comfortable in the safe place of conformity to the world. And again, it had nothing to do with conformity to the world. I'm so sick of this legalistic garbage. Basically, the only way you could do... So here's what you need to do. We need to get his name. And the next time we face a crisis, we got to call him because he can tell us what to do. He's got it all figured out for everybody else. Churches were not having meetings going, okay, guys, here's what we got to do. All right, I know Romans 12 is there about conforming to the world. I know that, um, but we're going to conform to the world. That's what we're going to do. We're going to conform to the world. That, that's, that, everybody agree? How many here want to conform to the world? Raise your hands. Nobody was having meetings going, let's conform to the world. What, wait, so all the churches, what about Romans 13? He wants to go Romans 12. What about Romans 13? Well, you conform to the world. You ignored Romans 13. Well, what about Hebrews 10? What about scriptures about loving your neighbor, loving others, and denying self? You see, it's not one scripture. It's all the scriptures together going, okay, guys, here's all the scriptures. Anybody got an idea what we do here? Because I don't know if you realize this. This is a pretty big deal. The whole world is experiencing shutdowns and lockdowns. This is not like, hey, in this one city, the mayor, the governor of that state, have decided that in that one geographical location, they need to stop having church. No, this was like all around the world, football, football, hockey, baseball, everything just shut down. No fans. Every, it wasn't like, it's just like, we're just going to go after the Christians. No, it was the whole world going, what do we do? And then when, because we're in the world, we have to figure out, well, what do we do in it? Nobody was like, let's violate Romans chapter 12. <laughs> let's live in sin. <laughs> like there was some evil conspiracy. Well, we got the phone call. Yes, Satan. Yes, Lord Satan. What do you want us to do? Not go to church. Yes, Lord Satan. We will shut down the church in service of the dark lord like i mean give me a it's not like what in the world are you talking about people were trying to make the best decision they could with the information they had at that time also taking into consideration what was going on in their local communities man it's just so arrogant and legalistic to say you did it wrong we did it right it, it, no, it, 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 it's very complicated in what to do. There's some churches that were in areas where there was like no COVID, right? There was like the hospitals didn't have anybody. They had like zero cases. They're like, look, man, there's like, there, there's like COVID free in this area. All right. Well, then I can, I can understand. You're like, you know what? I don't know if we're going to follow lockdowns here. Okay. I mean, there's nothing going on. I can understand maybe you decide I'm not going to follow the rules here because there's nothing really here in the local area. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to say, mm, okay, maybe you've got a point here. Every situation had to be considered based off those factors. So many factors to consider. 
And what about the health of the people in the church? Does anybody care about that? And we, we heard too many stories where there was that one choir, church choir. They all came together to, to practice and sing after they were told not to come together. And well, then I can't remember how many got sick and how many died, but it wasn't a pleasant news story. Okay, well, you got to take into consideration people's lives. This is not like we're just, it's just a difference of opinion. Well, should we cancel services tonight for the Super Bowl? All right, well, plenty of churches will cancel services for the Super Bowl, all right? Well, you can have some major disagreements there. This is taking into consideration sickness, disease, health, death, life. This, I think, I think, can we not treat everyone like they were having secret meetings in the underground bunker and how they could violate scripture? I think everybody was trying to figure out what do we do here? How do we handle this? And then sadly, it became political. And once it became political, then it was over. It was much easier to go along with the crowd than to stand firm for Christ. We preferred hearing, well done, good and faithful servant from our governor than from the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think I ever received a phone call from the governor of Texas saying, well done, good. And oh, wait, because Texas didn't, again, what's he's just painting everyone. Like everyone was like, I want to make sure the governor is happy with me. How about maybe pastors were like, I don't want anyone to die. I don't want anyone to get sick. I don't want anyone in the community. I don't, you, you don't think that there was no, no one had decent motives. Oh, okay, guys, look. What we want to do is we want to hear well done, good and faithful servant from the governor. That's, is that what you want? That's, I wonder how many churches received those messages. I wonder how many churches got phone calls from their governors telling them good and uh, good, well done, good and faithful servant. I wonder how many, I, I'm, maybe there was a lot of those phone calls went out. For some reason, my phone must not be working. We're sorry. Number five. This sort of represents everything. We're sorry we misrepresented Christianity. We made it so painfully easy for you to misunderstand Christianity. We made it shamefully confusing as to what a true church really is. We made Christianity look like another version of worldliness and humanism. We did this because we based our decisions not on God's word, but on the shifting sands of the culture around us. We took the powerful, courage-inspiring message of Christianity and like cowards, we hid it in the sand. We made physical safety and political correctness more important than the spiritual well-being of souls headed for an eternity in either heaven or hell. Once again, the message of the gospel is that you... Once again, I'm sorry, um, I thought I'd hit pause. Once again... It's the whole that we put physical safety before everything. Physical safety. So I, I can't, I ha, it just is a reasonable question. Can you ever cancel church to protect people from physical danger? Can you cancel for hurricanes, fires, tornadoes, ice, blizzard, snow? The power's down and the church has no electricity or heat. Oh, get over it. You're going to come in there. It's 20 below zero. Who cares, man? Who cares about your comfort? You come to church. And they say, well, that's ridiculous. Of course that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, wait a minute. There's a pandemic. 800,000 people are dead. 
Well, you get over it. You don't be worried. You don't have any fear. What are you doing? Conforming to the world? You follow scripture. Forsake not the assembly. Okay, well, forsake not the assembly. Let's never cancel and shut down for anything. I'll never forget. This happened to me multiple times in Nebraska. Times I would get so irritated by it, right? I'd be in a church and it'd be like, you know, we got massive this happening. It's going to be a whiteout. It's going to be 10 below zero. The wind's going to be blowing 50 miles an hour. You're not going to be able to see anything. Snow drifts, 9,000 feet high, ice, death is coming. And it'd be like, well, we're having church because we don't cancel church. And I can remember at least one time driving to church. And what was crazy, it wasn't even for an actual church service per se. We were having our fifth Sunday sing or whatever garbage it was, where everybody just basically sung a special, no preaching, no teaching. So we could go listen to everyone perform their, their song. Okay. I'm not saying that's a horrible thing, but I'm just saying that, so this is what we could not cancel for. I'm driving. The road is just ice. And I'm like, this, this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. And the car right in front of me tried to stop, couldn't stop, went through the intersection, hit into a, 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 one of the big light tele, uh, you know, telephone poles, I guess is what you would call it. It comes crashing down. Oh, it was power. It was actually power lines. Come crashing down. The wires come down. Sparks are going everywhere. I'm like, so literally I'm risking my life watching someone, you know, almost die trying to get to church. Because we couldn't cancel services. No, 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 no. Now, there, there were other times, there was other times those churches canceled services. Now, I understand when you live in a, uh, an area where there's constant snow and ice and that, that you can't cancel every time. I understand that. Or you just would end up shutting down for the entire winter. But I'm just saying there were times they put a people's lives at risk. He said, well, you could have just stayed at home. I could have, but in some of those situations, then I would have been viewed as not being a good Christian or, you know, we're not going to ordain you because you didn't show up to church. So I wasn't going to put myself in those situations. But it's absolutely ridiculous in some cases to do that. So all I'm saying is clearly everyone agrees there are times you can shut down. All right, so if you agree that there are times you can, then that means you are able to do so and not violate Hebrews 10, 25. So if you allow, if you allow, if you have any allowance for any shutdown, well, then you can allow it for a pandemic, depending on the situation. I mean, you, you can't say, well, no, it's, you can only cancel for one service. Well, well, how many services in a year? What if you get lots of bad, bad weather events? Well, for every bad weather event, you can. Well, what if that's seven? Well, no, no. Can't be seven. You see how subjective that becomes? Either you can or you can't. If you can, then it's allowed. It's that simple. And if you say, well, you you can only cancel for bad weather, can you cancel for anything else? And then why did churches cancel for other things? I'm just going to keep throwing out the hypocrisy in it because I've just seen, I've seen churches cancel for so much nonsense. And then I've seen them turn around and like, you know, I've seen them literally cancel Sunday night service so that you could have a church picnic on Sunday afternoon. But for crying out loud, we can't cancel church because there's 17 inches of ice on the road. And I'm like, where? It's like sometimes we, we, we're not going to cancel because it's going to make us look. It's, it's like sometimes we don't cancel to make us look more spiritual. There's nothing that makes you look spiritual by saying we're not going to cancel in a situation where you're put, possibly putting people's lives at risk. So can you or can't you? 
And, I, and, and I'll get emails saying, well, you can't in this situation. You can't in this situation. I'm like, where do you get all these rules? It's just so arbitrary. You, you, no, no, you, well, you can't cancel. No, no, no. And you see, well, you can cancel temporarily. Well, then what did you think the COVID shutdowns were? They were going to be temporary, temporary. We all know that. And they were. So then, then that, well, they were too long temporary. Give me a break. It's so arbitrary how we just, we just create these rules. And well, but he, but Romans 13 doesn't apply. Hebrews 10 trumps Romans 13. It's just like, well, what? world man your soul is of far greater value than anything in this life and instead of faithfully proclaiming that message we shamelessly peddled an insipid and effeminate version of christianity friends that is not what christianity is what you saw from the vast and feminine we're we're feminine right we're we're a feminine form of Christianity. We're, we're, we're not manly enough because men won't cancel church. We're men. Yeah. I feel manly. I feel manly because I didn't cancel during a pandemic. I'm manly. What, what, what is that nonsense? That's a, an effeminate form of Christianity, right? What, what? It, I am. Okay. Majority of professing churches was worldliness. And we're sorry, we didn't have the strength to show you true Christianity. And so number six, building on that, we're sorry that we made Christianity look like a pansy religion that causes her adherents to be unwilling to face the consequences of faithfulness. We're sorry that we made Christianity look like a pansy religion that causes her followers or her adherents to be unwilling to face the consequences for faithfulness to Jesus. We had centuries, centuries of godly examples of faithfulness to God's word, despite serious consequences, and we simply ignored those examples. We made it seem like our situation with a virus with an incredibly low death rate was worse than anything that had come before. We pretended that our situation was so unprecedented. Once again, I can't speak for the church that we're listening to, but we're going to go with the death rate. Okay, what is the death rate of people coming into your church and shooting people? Why do you need armed security? Now, all kinds of churches, arms. I, I get a, I, I got a phone call. I don't know, was it a year ago? Uh, where, hey, um, we've got the, uh, we, we're, we're, we're calling to schedule for the, uh, the, the uh, uh, gun, basically gun training uh, for, for carry, for uh, concealed carry or open carry, you know, and we, we're, so we've got the training set up so that you can uh, bring out your deacons and, and some of the other people to, 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 to get certified so they, they can carry a gun. And then I'm like, eh, what? And they're like, well, this is Victory Baptist Church, right? I'm like, yeah. They're like, so we've got it all set up. Yeah, are you set up? So you're going to get some people trained in your church so they can carry guns? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but that would never happen in my church under any circumstances. And they're like, in this Victory Baptist Church, I'm like, yeah. And they gave, and I, and they gave, the, they, they gave uh, some more information. I'm like, no, that's not this Victory Baptist Church. We wouldn't do that. So there's a Victory Baptist Church somewhere that were training people to carry guns. Well, what about, what is the, what is the, let's look at the percentages. 
What are the percentages? What are the chances that that church is going to have someone come in with a gun and try to kill them? But they're taking precautions. Why? I bet you they take other precautions. I bet you they follow fire codes. I bet you they have two exits. They may have a fire extinguisher present. There's probably other codes. They're probably, they're, the building probably has to meet wiring codes. Uh, why did they follow all of these other precautions? I mean, just look at the death rate. How many people burn up in a church each year? Well, then why follow any safety guidelines? Like, it's like, that, that's the go-to. When it has a low death rate, 800,000 people dead, millions dead globally, but it's got a low percentage rate. What is the percentage percentage rate of all the children in America? How many of them are going to be kidnapped and killed? Should you take any precautions for your child? Hey, don't worry about it. You can just go, go wherever you want. But it's two in the morning. I don't care. Go walk down the street. We don't care because the chances of you getting kidnapped are low. So we don't take precautions. Again, taking precautions equals fear. But then churches will take precautions and all the, it's what, the reason I keep pointing out the inconsistency is because this is because this is more because of the it's been politicized. This is not theology. This is not the only verse he's really quoted is Romans 12 and Hebrews 10. That the worthy examples of church history could be admired, but not emulated. We pretended the coronavirus was worse than the plague that occurred in Germany when Luther was unwilling to stop meeting with believers. We pretended it was worse than the Asiatic cholera in London when Spurgeon kept meeting with Christians. Our situation, of course, we told ourselves was different than anything else. We admit now that that was just an easy way for us to avoid the cost of discipleship. We have done a really good job of looking to church history for motivation, but we have done a really bad job of following in the footsteps of those who've gone before us. But even more than these examples of church history, we had God's precious word and the everlasting gospel in our possession. True Christianity causes people to be willing to suffer the consequences for faithfulness to Jesus. The true church is composed of those who are willing to suffer loss for the sake of Jesus. I'm just going to stop right here. I'm not as familiar with what Spurgeon did, but there has been much discussion about what Martin Luther did. It has been more than 500 years since German monk Martin Luther's words went viral, thanks to what uh, was then some cutting-edge technology. In 1517, Luther framed uh, his frame his famed 95 Theses helped spark the Protestant Reformation after they were distributed far and wide with the help of the printing press, uh, the 16th century's version of social media. Now his advice from a late letter written in the midst of a 1527 pandemic once again is making the rounds. Quotes from the letter appeared on social media as the COVID-19 pandemic upended life earlier this year. Scholar and retired Anglican Bishop N.T. Wright highlighted Luther's advice in God and the Pandemic, published in June, and Christianity Today's website published the full letter, where whether one may flee from a deadly pandemic with Luther's byline in May. We're all trying to figure out how to navigate a worldwide pandemic, said the Reverend P.J. Malin, pastor of Family Life and Assimilation of Good Shepherd Church in Naperville, Illinois. 
The congregation, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, held a lunch and learn discussion on Luther's letter Friday, November the 20th on Zoom. This is the first time for many of us, but we've been teaching and preaching some of the resources. We've gone back to our Martin Luther, and we're realizing that it isn't the first time people of faith have gone through this. Every once in a while, people actually pay attention to Luther's words, said Reverend Kurt Hendel, Uh, and they they go all the places he's from. Uh, And what the Reformer had to say in 1527 uh, in his letter published as a treatise is strikingly relevant today. Luther wrote the, uh, the letter in the midst of an outbreak of the bubonic plague in Wittenberg, according to the professor emeritus. He was responding to a uh, he was he was responding to a Lutheran letter who asked whether a Christian ought to leave the city in the midst of a plague outbreak for someplace safer. In the treaty a treatise, Luther wrote, "Therefore, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, and administer medicine." and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed and uh, in order not to become contaminated and thus prehance, infect, and pollute others. Now, he, he he didn't bother to actually go into what Luther had to say here. No, no, he didn't. He just completely ignored. Oh, man, this is where I get frustrated. Okay, if you're going to do a message and refer to Luther as somehow proof for your perspective, how about actually give Luther's perspective? I know that sounds ridiculous because, you know, you know, hey, we're too busy apologizing to the world to maybe actually, I don't know, reading Luther's words. So let's go through this again. So he's going to ask God to protect us. All right, we can all do that. He's going to fumigate, going to help purify the air. In other words, he's going to do what he can to take reasonable precautions. He's going to administer medicine and take it. If there's medicine, vaccine, he's going to take it. He's going to take what is available to protect. He's going to ask God to protect, and then he's going to do everything in his power to protect himself, right? He's going to avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed. Oh, oh, there's social distancing. Oh, but no, 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 no. We should apologize for social distancing. Uh, and order, and he's going to do social distancing in order not to become contaminated and thus prehance, infect, and pollute others. He's going to be worried about infecting other people. So he's called for taking precaution. He's called for social distancing. He's called for taking medicine. That, that was just, isn't that interesting that we just didn't get any of that information? No, we didn't get any of that information. No, couldn't, we couldn't do that now, could we? We, we don't want to be fair here. What else did Luther say? Um, and, and says, and so caused their death as a result of my negligence. He did not want to cause anyone else's death because of his negligence. Yeah. Should we apologize to the world of possibly putting other people at risk? No, 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 no. No, that's not one of the things we should apologize for here. All right. C, this is such a God-fearing faith because it's never brash are foolhardy and does not tempt God. Luther himself had been ordered to leave the University of Wittenberg where he taught. He refused and said he and his pregnant wife, Katrina, a former nun who had learned some nursing skills, stayed behind and opened a wing of their home as a clinic. Let's make it very clear. He stayed to offer medical care. He turned 
it into a clinic that gets left out. I love how people love when you take church history and you lie and manipulate it. Maybe you owe an apology to all the Christians you're misleading. Luther refused to leave so that he could render medical aid because his wife had some nursing skills. Oh man, that's completely left. Those who are responsible for the spiritual and physical well-being of others must not flee an outbreak, but rather stay and care for people in the midst of it, Luther advised. However, they also must be careful not to make matters worse. So those who have a responsibility, they are to stay and care for people. They have a responsibility to care. And the caring is trying to render medical assistance and aid and anything you can. Ah, man. Just as Luther recommended that his readers take and administer medicine, uh, Hendel recommended Christians follow today's science. And just as Luther, in characteristically cover, colorful language, call those who did not take care nor or to called those who did not take care not to become infected or to infect others murderers. The professor emeritus encouraged Christians to wear face masks and to weigh what God was calling them to do in the moment. Love for neighbor is the ultimate criterion. Uh, criteria for uh, for Christians that Christians must use as they choose what to, to do and how to think during a time of pandemic. Uh, and uh, and then they go on to, to offer there. And that comes from, let's see, uh, I don't know which website this is. I think it's a Lutheran website. I think it's a Lutheran website. Um, and I, and, and, yeah, I mean, it's it's the words of Luther had gone had gone all over the place. We talked about them early on in the pandemic because there were a lot of people who were citing Luther's uh, advice early on. It's just so not fair to say, well, Luther refused. Well, let's put it in context. He didn't. He he definitely didn't tell everyone they had to stay. He definitely allowed for other people to leave, but he believed certain people in leadership needed to stay to do what they could. But you didn't need to get around people unless you were absolutely needed. So come on. And I don't know what Spurgeon did. I don't know what Spurgeon did. I would have to find. I'm not as familiar with the Spurgeon story. Uh, but so so you know so so we follow Luther's advice. So and not only that. Let's also remember when you're listening to people from the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, do you really want to follow their advice and what to do medically and a pandemic? Is that really what you want to get? Let's go back to the 1500s. That's where we should get our advice on how to act in a pandemic. Let's ignore all of the advances in medicine. Let's ignore. <laughs> That's a pretty ridiculous approach as well. We read in Mark 9, to take up their cross, to follow after him. It is made up of those who love not their lives even unto death, Revelation 12, 11. True Christianity involves counting the cost of discipleship, Luke 14. The gospel message is a message which is so powerful and so beautiful and so moving that its followers will count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, Philippians 3.8. We had all this. We knew all this. And we pretended like we still believed it. We pretended like we would still lay down our lives for Jesus if we had to. All the while, we were unwilling to even meet with fellow believers because we might get sick 
or find. Sometimes it's a lot. Once again, he's, he's framing it like we were cowards. We were afraid we were going to get sick. We were afraid we were going to get fine. Or we we're like, you know what? I don't want to get infected and then affect, infect other people. Remember Luther, the, the Luther he quoted? Because we don't want to kill other people. We don't want to murder other people. That, that, yeah, we're going to use Luther as an example and then turn around and completely go against what Luther actually said because, hey, who cares about the truth? Who cares about telling the truth? We're too interested in doing a, you know, we're going we're gonna to make a spectacle of ourselves. We're going to offer an apology to the world because we weren't faithful. We didn't care. We're all a bunch of cowards. Speak for yourself. I got nothing to apologize for. I wasn't a coward. I wasn't scared. I cared about people and did not want to see people get infected, get sick, and die. And I did whatever I could to try to protect the local community and not allow the church to be the source of any kind of spread. Wow, what a horrible... I I probably should fall on my face and whip myself 50 times. Now, there's many things I could apologize for. Because I'm a sinner and I make a million mistakes. But that, caring about people is now a crime. Showing love for other people is now a crime. Trying to have compassion, trying to make the best decision in a horrible situation. It, that's now a sin that I have to apologize for. And then you use Luther as your example and then turn around and completely misrepresent and don't even add the historical context of actually what occurred. How about apologize for not for not telling the story the way it actually occurred with Luther? Again, I don't know. Die for Jesus. I don't know Spurgeon's story. Yeah, I got so excited I hit the button on the uh, on the laptop. I don't know Spurgeon's story. Spurgeon may work out far better for his illustration. You may not want to mention Luther until you mention everything he said to do, because he was saying social distance. He would he would have been saying wear a mask. He would have been doing those things, but that you've already condemned than it is to actually live for him. Martin Luther said, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Oh, he's got time to quote Luther. He's got time to quote Luther. Don't have time to quote Luther for exactly what he did during the pandemic. No, no, we don't have time to quote that, but we got time to quote something. We're only going to quote Luther when it benefits us. Yeah, that's some great church history right there. And we presented Christianity to you as a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, suffers nothing, and is worth nothing. And we're sorry. That's not true Christianity. Christianity is not a pansy religion that causes followers to to crumble in the face of fear. The spirit of God within believers Gives them strength to stand. And I'm so sick of this crumble from fear nonsense. It's such a fraudulent narrative. Crumble because of fear. Okay, well, if there's a hurricane, how come churches cancel services? They crumble from fear? Man, it was pastors trying to figure out what was best to do in a very difficult circumstance. And now we're facing something similar with the spread of Omicron. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's not fear. It's like, what do we do? What do we do? What's the best decision? What's right? 
What's wrong? What's scripture? What's not scripture? Scripture gives us lots of different things to consider. Yes, we got to meet together. Yes, we got to obey the, uh, the, the, uh, the government. Yes, we got to show love to others. Yes, we got to put others before ourselves. There are so many factors. Firm for Christ. What you saw was not Christianity from us. And we're sorry. True Christianity costs something. And you will suffer but it's worth everything. Number seven, we're sorry that even after a year of this, we continue to misrepresent what actually happened. Our our evangelical leaders continue to write and say things like this. Approximately one year ago, North America was hit with the COVID-19 pandemic. Its impact has been so devastating that we'll only know the full extent years from now. We lost the ability to worship corporately for a time. We keep saying things like that. And we're sorry to keep perpetuating this lie. We know it's not true. We didn't lose the ability to worship any more than first century Christians in Rome lost the ability to worship corporately because they could be thrown to the lions or burned alive as human torches. We didn't lose the ability to worship corporately any more than the 16th century separatists lost the ability to worship because the state forced them to attend state services. We're sorry we keep presenting it like this, but if we're honest, it's just that it's much easier for us to tell ourselves that this was beyond our control and we were forced to no longer follow God's command than it is for us to own it as our own sin and repent of it. It's easier for us to keep telling ourselves that we did the right thing and that we had no choice but to follow the government man, government's mandate than it is for us to acknowledge and confess that we have sinned. Again, we're sorry. We continue to misrepresent not only the Christian doctrine of following Jesus and the fellowship of the saints, but also repentance. We had so many good things to say to you and to share about the gospel but we simply chose not to live them out. It wasn't forced upon us. We had the ability to continue to meet, but we chose to fall in line with the world. We presented Christianity as if it was no different than any other social club. And we do have now, we have no grounds now to critique those worldly churches that provided online services prior to the coronavirus. We have no grounds now to critique a shallow, take-it-or-leave-it approach to true Christian fellowship. We have lost our right to do that when we compromised and capitulated to the world instead of standing on the gospel of Jesus Christ and his word. And furthermore, when we had the opportunity to repent and acknowledge that we were wrong, we sinned, we gave in. We continue to perpetuate the lie that we were forced to stop meeting. We had no choice instead of acknowledging our cowardice and fear. The message that we offered during the coronavirus was cheap. It cost us nothing. We didn't have to give up anything. It asked nothing of you. And it offered you nothing. It's painful to say it. But the world would have been better off without 
the vast majority of professing churches during the past year. She would have been better served by that small remnant of faithful churches who continued to meet from day one and who accurately represented Christianity and who believed in Jesus and were willing to face the consequences for that belief. All of the churches that failed to do so showed the world that they're more concerned with the consequences of their faith than they are with following Jesus no matter the cost. Jesus once warned his followers. Well, he warned them multiple times about the scribes and Pharisees, but on one occasion he warned them and he gave them this counsel from Matthew 23. He said to his followers, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but do not practice. Matthew 23, 2-3. America, that's us. The leaders of the professing evangelical and reformed church are those scribes and Pharisees who preach but do not practice. By and large, we preached one thing for years. The inestimable worth of the gospel, the great value of following Jesus no matter the cost. We preached that. And then, when the rubber met the road, we did something else. And so please, America, unbelieving America, a watching world that looked as the church closed her doors like every other organization, please take Jesus' advice regarding the scribes and Pharisees and apply it to the professing evangelical and reformed church that capitulated during the coronavirus. Please don't do what we did. Please don't emulate us. We preach to you. Yes, world, do, do, uh, don't follow us. You make sure you don't follow the rules. You don't. Fo- Nobody follow the rules during the pandemic. Nobody. Everybody take off their mask. Nobody social distance. Nobody do anything. Let's see how many people we can actually have die. Please don't follow us. Don't follow. Is, is that what he said? Don't follow any of the rules. Nobody follow any of the rules. That's the way forward in the pandemic. That will get this over quickly, right? Because there'll be nobody left. Is that? Is, I guess I, mean, I don't. I know that's not what he's trying to say, but it's like, hey, don't don't follow us. Don't follow what we did. Well, that means you're telling them not to follow the rules. Well, okay. Well, then what, what's your solution for the pandemic? Oh, there is no, nothing to worry about. It's 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 a small death rate. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Nothing. Nothing. So you know, and 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 if if your child gets killed and kidnapped, it, nope. Small numbers of, of children get kidnapped and killed. It, it's nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. I, I guess we probably shouldn't worry. I, I, what, what's the percentage of death before you take something serious? I, I, I don't know. What is it? Does anybody know? I, I don't know. Is it? What is it? What is the percentage? I, I, I don't know what that percentage is before we care because, you know, we're pro-life, you know. It, it has to reach a certain percentage of death before we care. But we didn't practice. We told you of the glorious gospel of Jesus and the infinite worth of faithfulness to Jesus, no matter the cost. And then we gave up and capitulated without even a fight. We listened to the voice of Fauci instead of the voice of the shepherd. Our church leaders acted beyond the authority granted them and told their congregants that, one, they couldn't even gather as a corporate body, and then when they could, that they had to wear masks 
and stay six feet away from their brothers and sisters in Christ. America, unless you've had the privilege of seeing one of those true churches that stood on God's word, unwilling to cancel fellowship, unwilling to force our congregants to cover their faces and stay away from each other like pagans during a plague, unless you saw one of those pagans pagans during a plague pagans during plagues take precautions yeah now remember he quoted luther who told us to take all those precautions isn't it just utterly ridiculous this is where i get sick of christianity if i'm a pagan for taking precautions during a pandemic and that's what makes someone a pagan pandemic take precautions then I, then I guess I don't belong within Christianity. It's that simple. I don't belong within Christianity. You can just, you can just, you can throw me out of it. You can throw me out of it. If that, if that's where we've reached, that you are a pagan. Pagans take precautions during pandemics. Only pagans do that. I was an idiot for 22 years in the medical world. Why did we take any precautions? We were all pagans. We should have never wore a mask. We should have never done anything. There should be no, don't go to a doctor. Don't take any precautions. Let your blood sugar level reach levels until you find yourself in a diabetic coma. Let your cholesterol, don't take any health precautions because that's probably being a, that's probably being a pagan. What is that? Pagans are the only people who take precautions during pandemics? There's no way he meant that. True examples. Then what you saw this past year was not Christianity. And we're sorry that we presented it as such to you. It was worldliness dressed up in Christian garb. True Christianity offers you something different than the world. But true Christianity will cost you. And there will be consequences. And what you saw from most of the professing church was a fearful and cowardly display of the fear of man and the love of this world. And if you are willing, please give the true church of Jesus Christ another look. And if the professing church by and large continues to act as she did without acknowledging her sin and admitting her fear, then please find a group of Christians that are willing to face the music for their faithfulness to Jesus, that are willing to stand on the word of God, whether it costs them their life, their job, a fine, imprisonment, Christians who will stand together and support one another, who will meet together, encourage one another, no matter what's going on in the world, who will take their marching orders from the Lord Jesus Christ, not from the government, not from the media, not even from their pastors if they contradict the word of God, who will look to the word of God and the word of God alone for their authority and will stand upon it. If you find a group of Christians like that who are living out the Christian faith, there you will find true Christianity. And we are sorry that what you saw for so much of this past year was presented to you as Christianity when it was really an insipid, effeminate worldliness that is worth nothing, costs nothing, and will give you no eternal benefit. Let's pray. There you have it. There's the apology to America.
Find you a group of people who don't take precautions during a pandemic, got no problem spreading a deadly virus, no problems if you get sick or die, because they don't stinking care. But that's Christianity. Find a Christianity that only focuses on one or two verses and ignores all the rest of the Bible. For, forget, forget, find a Christianity who will not obey anything, any rules that they don't want. There you have it. And anyone who takes a precaution during a pandemic, I guess now is a pagan. And, oh yeah, and you can misrepresent Luther and keep quoting Luther, but not quote what Luther actually said to do during a pandemic because that didn't go along with his narrative. So let's misrepresent things because, hey, we don't need to apologize for that, right? We only have to apologize for this, I don't know. We're so sorry, world. We followed the rules. We're so sorry we followed the rules. We shouldn't have followed the rules. We should have done a lot more. We should have walked around, coughed in all of your faces, and, and give you a, a, a great dose of, of COVID so we could show you our great Christian love and compassion because it's about Jesus. Oh, man, alive. There you have it. There you have it. It's just so important. I know you're, you spent two hours. I know I did because it's so important to hear what Christians are saying literally in the middle of a new wave of COVID, Omicron spreading. That's what the church is saying. We need to, and so what is he telling everyone? Don't follow any of the rules. Don't social distance. Don't wear a mask. He didn't say anything about the vaccines. Okay. So I, I don't know. I don't know where they stand on that. And and just and 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 completely misrepresent church history. Let's not forget that little you know the beautiful thing they did right there. But okay, I'll stop right there. We're at two hours. I'll, 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 I'm going to be back doing other things. But this all needed to be said today because I mean, there's just no way I could ignore this today. There's just no way I could ignore this today. Nobody wants to talk about this. Nobody wants to hear this. Everybody gets irritated by it. But it's like at some point. Can we, I mean, there, again, let me make it very clear because I'm going to get all kinds of emails. If you're going to say don't close down, okay, then why couldn't you follow some of the basic rules and still be open? But you couldn't do that. So your, your perspective is do nothing, don't follow any rules, and then what? what? What's your solution for the pandemic? Oh, no, wait. Do you have any moral responsibility? What, what is your moral responsibility during a pandemic? These are questions that I keep asking. I don't get any good answers. Basically, what I'm told is I'm going to do what I want. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want a social distance. I don't want the vaccine. I don't care how many people die. But I'm pro-life and I love Jesus and I love my neighbor. All right. That's, that's great. Wonderful. Absolutely contradictory, but that's okay. I think anyone trying to put it all together is going to find themselves going, man, so what do we do here? Okay, what do I do here? Don't know about what this is. How do I handle this situation? How do I handle this situation? And and you find yourself going, man, this, well, I got this scripture, but I got this scripture. What should we do? And it's going to require struggle and require a little bit more, uh, I don't know, nuanced and layered, layered, a layered approach than either or, or black or white, because it's a very complicated matter. And we're facing a difficult next, well, you watch the next uh, four to eight weeks. We'll see what happens. I'm hoping everyone's wrong. I'm hoping, I'm hoping everyone is wrong. I'm hoping every expert is wrong. That'll be awesome. 
Hopefully it turns out to be nothing. And four weeks from now, I can say, well, that scare is over. We don't have anything to worry about. Right now, I'm just watching local. I'm watching what's going on in the local area. If the local numbers in the local hospitals start going crazy, then I'll have to make some changes. And people will can call me a coward. Call me whatever. Call me whatever name you want to call me. I don't care. Because I have a responsibility to people and to people's lives. All right, I'll stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, this should make me super popular today, right? Oh, but hey, I'm caving into the world, so this is not going to cost me anything, right? Right? It's not going to cost me anything because everybody's going to love me. Everybody's going to praise me. Everybody's going to thank me for what I did because the only, the only, the only time it's going to cost you something is when you, uh, when you don't go along with the world, right? Because to ever stand against Christianity never costs you anything because, you know, it's not like I got kicked off Christian radio for ticking off people. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you better be careful how you say where the cost is because there's cost no matter what direction you go. All right. I'll stop right there. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.